Chapter sixty six of Wilder's Hand. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Carolyn. Wilder's Hand by J. Sheridan Le Fenu. Chapter sixty six. Lady Macbeth. Here it is, said the captain. Beaten. Then came an oath three votes how the devil was that there it is by jove no mistake majority against ministers three is that the times what does it say a long leader no resignation immediate dissolution that is what i collect from it how on earth could they have miscalculated so swivel i see voted in the majority that's very odd and by jove there's surplus too and he's good for seven votes why his own paper was backing the ministers what a fellow that is that accounts for it all a difference of fourteen votes and thus we went on discussing this unexpected turn of luck and reading to one another snatches of the leading articles in different interests upon the subject then lake recollecting his letters opened a large sealed envelope with s c g in the corner this is from gibbs let us see oh before the division it looks a little fishy he says well so it does we may take the division to-night should it prove adverse you are to expect an immediate dissolution this on the best authority i write to mention this as i may be too much hurried to-morrow we were discussing this note when wealdon arrived well captain great news sir the best thing i take it could have happened ministers <laughs> a rotten house down with it blow it up three votes only but as good as three hundred for the purpose of the three hundred grant but three you know of course they don't think of resigning oh dear no an immediate dissolution read that said lake tossing gibbs note to him oh then we'll have the writs down hot and heavy we must be sharp the sheriff's all right that's a point you must not lose an hour in getting your committee together and printing your address who's on the other side you'll have jennings of course but they are talking of four different men already to take sir harry twisden's place he'll resign that's past a doubt now he has his retiring address written lord edward morden read it and he told Fitzstephen on Sunday, after church, that he'd never sit again. Here, by Jove, is a letter from Mowbray, said Lake, opening it, all about his brother George. Here's I'm up for the country. Lord George ready to join and go halves. What shall I say? Could not have a better man. Tell him you desire no better, and will bring it at once before your committee, and let him know the moment they meet and tell him i say he knows wealdon pretty well he may look on it as settled that will be a spoke in sir harry's wheel sir harry who said lake bracton i think it's only to spoil your game you see answered wealdon abundance of malice but i don't think he's countenanced he'll try to get the start of you and if he does one or other must go to the wall for lord george is too strong to be shook out do you get forward at once that's your plan captain 
then the captain recurred to his letters which were a larger pack than usual this morning chatting all the time with wealdon and me on the tremendous topic and tossing aside every letter that did not bear on the coming struggle who can this be said lake looking at the address of one of these very like my hand and he examined the seal it was only a large weaver's stamp so he broke it open and drew out a shabby very ill-written scroll he turned suddenly away talking the while but with his eyes upon the note and then he folded or rather crumpled it up and stuffed it into his pocket and continued his talk but it was now plain to me there was something more in his mind and he was thinking of the shabby letter he had just received but no matter the election was the pressing topic and lake was soon engaged in it again there was now a grand coup under discussion the forestalling of all the horses and vehicles along the line of railway and in all the principal posting establishments throughout the country they'll want to keep it open for a bid from the other side it is a heavy item anyway and if you want to engage them now you'll have to give double what they got last time but lake was not to be daunted he wanted the seat and would stick at nothing to secure it and so wealdon got instructions in his own phrase to go the whole animal as i could be of no possible use in local details i left the council of war sitting intending a stroll in the grounds in the hall i met the mistress of the house looking very handsome but with a certain witch-like beauty very pale something a little haggard in her great dark eyes and a strange listening look was it watchfulness was it suspicion she was dressed gravely but richly and received me kindly and strange to say with a smile that yet was not joyful i hope she is happy lake is such a beast i hope he does not bully her in truth there were in her exquisite features the traces of that mysterious misery and fear which seemed to fall wherever stanley lake's ill-omened confidences were given i walked down one of the long alleys with tall close hedges of beech as impenetrable as cloister walls to sight and watched the tench basking and flickering in the clear pond and the dazzling swans sailing majestically along what a strange passion is ambition i thought is it really the passion of great minds or of little here's lake with a noble old place inexhaustible in variety with the beautiful and i was by this time satisfied a very singular and interesting woman for his wife who must have married him for love pure and simple a handsome fortune the power to bring his friends those whom he liked or who amused him about him and to indulge luxuriously every reasonable fancy willing to forsake all and follow the back of that phantom had he knowledge public talents training nothing of the sort had he patriotism any one noble motive or fine instinct to prompt him to public life the mere suggestion was a sneer it seemed to me simply that stanley lake was a lively amusing and even intelligent man without any internal resource vacant peevish with an unmeaning passion for corruption and intrigue and the sort of egotism which craves distinction
so i supposed yet with all its weakness there was a dangerous force in the character which on the whole inspired an odd mixture of fear and contempt i was bitten however already by the interest of the coming contest it is very hard to escape that subtle and intoxicating poison i wondered what figure stanley would make as a hustings orator and what impression in his canvas the latter i was pretty confident about altogether curiosity if no deeper sentiment was highly piqued and i was glad i happened to drop in at the moment of action and wished to see the play out at the door for boudoir rachel lake met dorcas i am so glad radie dear you are come you must take off your things and stay you must not leave me to-night we'll send home for whatever you want and you won't leave me radie i'm certain i'll stay dear as you wish it said rachel kissing her did you see stanley i have not seen him to-day said dorcas no dear i peeped into the library but he was not there and there are two men writing in the dutch room very busily it must be about the election what election dear asked rachel there is going to be an election for the county and only think he intends coming forward i sometimes think he's mad radie i could not have supposed such a thing if i were he i think i should fly to the antipodes i should change my name see in my features with vitriol and learn another language i should obliterate my past self altogether but men are so different so audacious some men at least and stanley ever since his ill-omened arrival at redmond's farm last autumn has amazed and terrified me i think radie we have both courage you have certainly you have shown it darling and you must cease to blame yourself i think you're a heroine radie but you know i see with the wild eyes of the brandons i am grateful dorcas that you don't hate me most women i am sure would abhor me yes dorcas abhor me you and i against the world radie said dorcas with a wild smile and a dark admiration in her look and kissing rachel again i used to think myself brave it belongs to women of our blood but this is no common strain upon courage radie i have grown to fear stanley somehow like a ghost i fear it is even worse than he says and she looked with a horrible inquiry into rachel's eyes so do i dorcas said rachel in a firm low whisper returning her look as darkly what's done cannot be undone said rachel sadly after a little pause unconsciously quoting from a terrible soliloquy of shakespeare i know what you mean radie and you warned me with a strange second sight before the evil was known to either of us it was an irrevocable step and i took it not seeing all that has happened it is true but forewarned and this i will say radie if i had known the worst i think even that would not have deterred me it was madness it is madness for i love him still rachel though i know him and his wickedness and am filled with horror i love him desperately i am very glad said rachel that you do know everything 
it is so great a relief to have companionship i often thought i must go mad in my solitude poor rachel i think you wonderful i think you a heroine i do radie you and i are made for one another the same blood something of the same wild nature i can admire you and understand you and will always love you i've been with william wilder and dolly that wicked attorney mr larkin is resolved on robbing them i wish they had any one able to advise them stanley i am sure could save them but he does not choose to do it he was always so angry when i urged him to help them that i knew it would be useless asking him i don't think he knows what mr larkin has been doing but dorcas i'm afraid the very same thought has been in his mind i hope not ready and dorcas sighed deeply everything is so wonderful and awful in the light that has come that morning poor william wilder had received a letter from jos larkin esq mentioning that he had found messrs burlington and smith anything but satisfied with him the vicar what exactly he had done to disoblige them he could not bring to mind but jos larkin told him that he had done all in his power to satisfy them of the bona fide character of his reverend client's dealings from the first but they still expressed themselves dissatisfied upon the point and appear to suspect a disposition to shilly-shally i have said all i could to disabuse them of the unpleasant prejudice but i think i should hardly be doing my duty if i were not to warn you that you will do wisely to exhibit no hesitation in the arrangements by which your agreement is to be carried out and that in the event of your showing the slightest disposition to qualify the spirit of your strong note to them or in any wise disappointing their client you must be prepared from what i know of the firm for very sharp practice indeed what could they do to him or why should they hurt him or what had he done to excite either the suspicion or the temper of the firm they expected their client the purchaser in a day or two he was already grumbling at the price and certainly would stand no trifling neither would messrs burlington and smith who he must admit had gone to very great expense in investigating title preparing deeds etc and who were noted as a very expensive house he was aware that they were in a position to issue an execution on the guarantee for the entire amount of their costs but he thought so extreme a measure would hardly be contemplated notwithstanding their threats unless the purchaser were to withdraw or the vendor to exhibit symptoms of he would not repeat their phrase irresolution in his dealing he had however placed the vicar's letter in their hands and had accompanied it with his own testimony to the honour and character of the reverend william wilder which he was happy to say seemed to have considerable weight with messrs burlington and smith there was also this passage feeling acutely the anxiety into which the withdrawal of the purchaser must throw you though i trust nothing of that sort may occur i told them that rather than have you thrown upon your beam ends by such an occurrence i would myself step in and purchase on the terms agreed on 
this will i trust quiet them on the subject of their costs and also prevent any low dodging on the part of the purchaser this letter would almost seem to have been written with a supernatural knowledge of what was passing in gillingdon and was certainly well contrived to prevent the vicar from wavering but all this time the ladies are conversing in dorcas's boudoir this election frightens me ready everything frightens me now but this is so audacious if there be powers either in heaven or hell it seems like a defiance and an invocation i am glad you are here ready i have grown so nervous so superstitious i believe watching always for signs and omens oh darling the world's ghastly for me now i wish dorcas we were away as you used to say in some wild and solitary retreat living together two recluses but all that is visionary quite visionary now dorcas sighed you know rachel the world must not see this we will carry our heads high wicked men and brave and suffering women that is the history of our family and men and women always quite unlike the rest of the world unlike the human race and somehow they interest me unspeakably i wish i knew more about those proud forlorn beauties whose portraits are fading on the walls their spirit i am sure is in us rachel and their pictures and traditions have always supported me when i was a little thing i used to look at them with a feeling of melancholy and mystery they were in my eyes reserved prophetesses who could speak if they would of my own future a poor support dorcas a broken reed i wish we could find another the true one in the present and in the coming time dorcas smiled faintly and i think there was a little gleam of a ghastly satire in it i am afraid that part of her education which deals with futurity had been neglected i am more likely to turn into a lady macbeth than a devotee said she coldly with the same painful smile i found myself last night sitting up in my bed talking but in the dark about it there was a silence for a time and rachel said it is growing late dorcas but you must not go rachel you must stay and keep me company you must indeed ready said dorcas so i will she answered but i must send a line to old tamar and i promised dolly to go down to her to-night if that darling little boy should be worse i am very unhappy about him and is he in danger the handsome little fellow said dorcas very great danger i fear said rachel dr buddle has been very kind but he is i am afraid more desponding than poor william or dolly imagines heaven help them but children recover wonderfully what is his ailment gastric fever the doctor says i had a foreboding of evil in the moment i saw him before the poor little man was put to his bed dorcas rang the bell no ready if you wish to write sit down here or if you prefer a message thomas can take one very accurately and he shall call at the vicar's and see dolly and bring us word how the dear little boy is 
and don't fancy darling i have forgotten what you said to me about duty though i would call it differently only i feel so wild i can think of nothing clearly yet but i am making up my mind to a great and bold step and when i am better able i will talk it over with you my only friend rachel and she kissed her End of chapter 66